Leadership is a learned skill. Welcome to episode number 26. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to bring this interview to you today. I interviewed Alexandra Carter, the author of the new book, Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything. She is a world-renowned professor, a a negotiations expert and mediator for the United Nations, and she's just truly an incredible human being. The book is amazing. I've gotten so much out of that, but I went back and I listened to this episode as I was editing it, and I was like, oh my gosh, it is so, so powerful. The negotiation strategies that she gives you, she breaks it down. She makes it so doable. And she also shows you how anybody can be a negotiator. And so for those of you who are looking to advance your career, are trying desperately to get into senior leadership positions, really want to make that impact at your organization, she is going to give you all of the tools to be able to negotiate for that impact that you really want to be making at work. So I just encourage you to just grab a cup of tea and listen to this entire episode. It is super inspiring and you're probably going to hear my insanely contagious laugh 27 times. (laughs) All right, enjoy. Welcome to Maximize Your Career with Stacey Mayer, a podcast about achieving your career goals while also being yourself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Career with Stacey Mayer. I am here with a very special guest, Alexandra Carter. I actually was introduced to Alexandra about a month ago as she was being interviewed on my business coach's podcast about her new book, Ask for More. We're going to learn all about her her book today and some of the negotiation strategies that she uses. But I just want to offer to you this woman is real <laughs> and you are going to get to meet her today. And, and when I think of negotiators and when I think of a lawyer or somebody who is a negotiator for a living, they feel very outside of me. They don't feel like me. And when I heard Alexandra speak on my coach, Eleanor Beaton's podcast, um, I was like, no, this woman is like me. She has learned and cultivated these skills, and now she has this ability to bring other people up with her. So I just want to get started and just dive right in so that we can have an action-packed episode today. Let me start by introducing her, and then we'll just hear more about Alexandra and her journey and how you can start to use some of the negotiation skills and practices that she has learned over the years to actually advance your career. So Alexandra Carter is the director of the Mediation Clinic at Columbia Law School, where she is also an award-winning professor and a world-renowned negotiation trainer for the United Nations. She is the author of Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything. It came out um, on May 5th, so this book has just been exploding, and her interviews and everything that she's been able to share and talk about this, has this has been her action-packed month. So, Alexandra, thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, Stacy, I'm so glad to be here with you, and 
please feel free to call me Alex. That's what my friends call me. Awesome. My son's name is actually Alexander, and he says, please feel free to call me Alexander. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Good for him. He's very clear. He's very not, but I love it. Thank you, Alex. It's great to have you here. So um, can we just start out with that observation, right, which is that this idea of what negotiation or negotiators Mm-hmm. is in, in our heads. And a lot of the leaders that I work with are striving to be more authentic at work. They want to be more themselves. They want to make a bigger impact. And so when we start to think about, I need to negotiate either my salary or resources or whatever that is, it feels like I need to put on almost a different personality. So can you just start out with that, that first thing that I noticed from you, which is that you're a real person. You're just having conversations. Yeah. Thank you, Stacey. Yeah. Let's talk about, I want to talk about two things, what negotiation is and who negotiators are. Okay. And I want to engage on this second point because in the beginning of this podcast, you said initially you thought, even you thought that negotiator, nope, that's not me. That's not my personality. And we are going to bust that myth here on the (laughs) podcast today. All right. So- (laughs) First of all, what negotiation is. You know, Stacy, so many people, myself included, when I was a young woman and a professional, think that negotiation is just a back and forth over money. So negotiation is that thing you do when you go in to um, ask for more salary once a year. Or negotiation is what you do in the immediate, like lead up to a deal, that type of thing. And over time, I started to realize that is so limited and a really reactive way to think about negotiation. It's almost like we don't do it until it's forced on us by that once a year review or the client contract comes up. You know, and Stacey, when I was on my honeymoon back in 2006, we went to Hawaii and I got in a kayak and that was the moment that changed everything I realized about negotiation. Because I'm in this kayak and our guide turns around and says, please negotiate your kayaks to the left so we can end up on that beach. Ah. And I just thought, oh my God, that's it. You know that moment where you want to get out of the kayak and start writing? That, that's the moment that I had there because I thought that's right. Negotiation is not just a back and forth over money. When I negotiate a kayak toward a beautiful beach, what am I doing? I'm steering. So these days, Stacy, I teach that negotiation is any conversation in which you are steering a relationship. Mm. So what does that mean for professionals in the workplace? So what it means is I'm not waiting for the once a year to teach my boss how to value me. I'm not waiting until the client contract comes up to be steering my relationship with that client, really getting to know them and teaching them how to think about me and what I offer. I am piloting those conversations in every interaction I have. But Stacey, the other thing it means is if negotiation is steering relationships, what's the most important relationship of your life? It's the one you have with yourself. And so negotiation does not start the moment you sit down with someone else, it starts at home with you. It starts by steering that internal conversation. And the last thing I want to tell your listeners is, so who is a negotiator? I think a lot of times we think, well, 
a negotiator has to be the most aggressive person in the room, kind of almost a shark, right? The person who holds their cards closed and then tries to spring a surprise on the other person. Or we might think negotiation is for men. You know, Mm -hmm. I know I absorbed this message. It's just not true. The very best negotiators are the people who ask the best questions. Mm. And if you, Stacy, are somebody who gets to know people and wins their trust, you are a great negotiator. So good. Thank you. I have so many questions. <laughs> okay. The first one that comes to mind is that why is it actually harder to wait. Um, so one of the things I teach my clients is never wait for your performance review to ask for a promotion. Mm. And it seems like this sort of aggressive nature of actually having to state your case and, and, um, you know, and negotiate back and forth is actually because we wait. Mm -hmm. Right. And so why does, why is it actually harder to negotiate at that point than if you're steering the relationship all along? Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, if I'm looking to end up on that beach, you know, it's the equivalent of, you know, if you've been in your kayak all day paddling one step at a time, and then all of a sudden I realize I've got 10 minutes left, I've left myself with a hell of a lot more work to do, haven't I? You know, that's the thing. We, We leave too much for the evaluation. We're trying to accomplish too much in that. So let me tell you, Stacey, backing up, first of all, The best way to ask for salary or to make any kind of ask in the corporate workplace is in the following format. It's what I call an I-we. Here's what I'm requesting, and here's how we or the company will benefit. Now, in order to be able to do that, you need to spend time cultivating a relationship with that person, steering that relationship so that you understand the we part of that equation. So what I do then is throughout the year, finding times to talk to your manager. What do you need? You know, where do you see this company going? How can I be of most help? sharing with them not just salary goals, but your goals for yourself and your career. Here's where I might see myself in the future. What advice do you have? What that means is by the time you sit down for that once a year chat, you've laid so much groundwork, you've been paddling all day, but also you can get in there, make your ask, and then say, and this ties directly to what I've heard from you all year about what you most need in this department and what the company most needs in the next year. Mm. Here's how promoting me is going to be the best use of company resources right at this particular moment. Done. (laughs) You know, like it's just, it makes it easier for them to say yes. Like it's like you're laying it out there for them. So another thing that you talked about is this I, right? So really understanding the I. And something that really caught my attention is um, most of my clients actually self-identify as not being concerned about the money or the promotion, right? And this is a very Mm -hmm. common thing that I notice with women is that we really Mm -hmm. downplay our need for a raise. And just as I mentioned, I, you know, don't self-identify as a negotiator. Can you point out to us, maybe even just through this brief interaction with me, how that's not true? 
Yes. Okay. So first I'm going to tell you a story and then I'm going to preach to you a little bit, Stacey. Great. Okay. (laughs) The story I want to tell is about the first time I ever negotiated for my salary. And I went in wearing my power suit, you know, and I was very nervous because I, I just had heard all these things about salary negotiation. And I thought, okay, keep your face straight, Alex, get in there. And Stacy, they came in above what I expected. And I, so I had a moment and I, I recovered and just wrote it down and said, thanks so much. I'm going to run these numbers. I'll come back to you. So I left the office and I called a senior woman in the field for advice. And I said, can you, you know, tell me what to do? They came in above. And she said, I'm going to tell you what to do, Alex. You're going to go in and you're going to ask for more. And I said, I'm going to ask for more. And she said, yes, because when you teach someone how to value you, you teach him how to value all of us. So if you're not going to go in there and do it for yourself, I want you to go in there and do it for the sisterhood. I want you to do it for the woman who is coming up after you. And Stacy, that was the moment that I realized that advocating for myself is not selfish. It is service. If you want to make an impact in this world, one of the things that you can do to achieve that is to advocate for yourself and normalize the process of a woman coming in and asking for more. And the last thing I'm going to say is in the process of advocating for yourself, You are teaching the company what kind of negotiator you will be for them on their behalf as a leader of a department or the future leader of the company. So go in there and show off your skills. Show them that you can be tactful and collaborative and still claim your value at the table. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I love that. Oh. So much. I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode already. <laughs> I, I just want to reflect for your listeners that Stacy is touching her head as though her brain <laughs> just exploded, exploded yeah, right? It's so good. Thank you. <laughs> it's, so, you know, it's Stacy. And let me just say one more. I, I could talk about this all day. Okay. One more thing. I think, and I talk about this in my book, there are certain needs that we as women self-censor and even some men, you know, and it seems more socially acceptable to say, I want to support my family than I want to build wealth. Or I want to serve others versus I want to be a person of means, of influence. And one of the things I talk about in Ask for More, I do an exercise where I have people write down what they think is their least attractive need, Mm. the thing that they don't want to admit. And for a lot of women, that tends to be achievement or money. And that's the thing that they feel that they don't have the right to ask for. And I know that Eleanor is passionate about changing this conversation, and I am too, because when you acquire influence and wealth, that is capital that you can use to spend lifting others up and having impact. And this also reminds me of the second part, which is that the reason that people don't want to negotiate is because it's so vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what if they say no? What if, you know, and so when you do that inner work Mm -hmm. and you understand your own value, then if they say no, okay, we just, 
try again. I mean, it just seems like it's part of the process, but you, you tell me what you experience. 100%. You know, I think, I'm so glad we're talking about the no. I think fear of the no. In fact, Stacy, one of the things that I'm doing right now in my spare time, in air quotes, is I'm writing a series of digital courses. And the, one of the cornerstones is getting past the fear of the no. And then once you have a no, what to do with that? Okay. Yes. So toward the first part, you know, the fear of the no, I think a lot of this comes from shaky self-worth. You know, maybe as women, as people of color, I've talked to a lot of men, in fact, who from different cultural backgrounds feel as though they should be lucky to be where they are. That's the message they've received, you know? And so it's not acceptable to go in and to ask for more. And if they do, they're going to get a no. And especially right now, right? So we're in the middle of this crisis Mm -hmm. and we should be lucky that we have a job or we should be lucky that we're able to do the work that we should. And now is not the time to negotiate or ask for more. Yeah, and that's, that's, okay. So I'll take that first. Here's the thing. I want to reframe this conversation in your head and your listeners' heads. Yes, it's a difficult time. I feel fortunate to be employed, and I know people who are employed feel fortunate. Here's the thing. It's a difficult time. On the other hand, is this not a time when every dollar of the company's money should be put to its highest and best purpose? Yes, yes. might it not be that the highest and best purpose – for the company's money is to promote you, a proven leader in your division. And so I want to encourage you to think about the I, we. It's a great way, even in a challenging time, to go in, to claim your worth, and simultaneously say that you want to serve the company. And this is how you'll be able to serve best. Oh, awesome. And you were getting ready to say something else. I don't know. if Yes. <laughs> okay. So we were talking about, so, and one final note on that. For those of you who are women listening to this podcast, I want to assure you that men, some men will always ask, even in a pandemic, even in a crisis, there will be some people who go in to negotiate. And so I want that person to be you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to really think of ways that you can still negotiate for yourself even right now. Now, let's go to the no. So, first of all, I think the fear of the no comes from this shaky self-worth. You know, and so part of the work we need to do and that I advise people do when they are steering that internal conversation is to really think about the success they've had in the past. That's the first work I want people to do is to think about all of the different ways that you have been successful at that job, outside of your work life, and really write those down before you go in to negotiate. Because research proves that you'll do better if you think about a prior success before you go in. And this will help you to get over your fear of the no, because you'll remember how much you have to offer. Now, if you go in and get the no, Oh no. You know, sometimes people think if I get a no, that means I have to crawl on all fours out of the office and hide under a rock and never be heard from again. Absolutely not. I assure you that for some people, no is just the start of the conversation. You know, my my husband and I talk about this all the time. He sees no as an opening offer, okay? And, And just a jumping off point for further discussions. So if you get a no, 
I'm here to teach you what to do. It's very simple. I want you to ask a four-word question. What are your concerns? That's it. Mm -hmm. Just this is my magic question for engaging with a no and possibly turning it to a yes. So here's what you do. You, Stacy, I go in to talk to you. You say no. Okay. So I ask you about your concerns and then I sincerely engage with those. I reflect those back to you. I summarize for you what you've told me about your concerns. I invite you to add anything else you'd like. And then sometimes when I get the concerns, I know what the barrier is to the deal. Could I give an example? So during the um, book marketing process, you know, this last few months has been really challenging to negotiate, you know, a book release. One of the things that I had lined up was a ton of in-person speaking events where people were going to buy books. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to a large client of mine. I'd done a ton of speaking for them. We had a bill outstanding. So I wrote to them and said, listen, let's do a win-win here. I'm promoting a book. You guys have, you know, an invoice from me. I'd like you to buy one book for every one of your employees. I'd done a lot of work for this client. And they came back to me a couple days later and said, sorry, that's not going to work for us. Um, just send us the invoice. We'd rather just pay you. So Stacy, for five minutes, I was crushed. And then I remembered that I wrote a book called Ask for More. So <laughs> I got them on the phone. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes you write the advice you most need to take. Yes, okay? So absolutely. I called them up and I said, what are your concerns? And they said, well, um, we haven't read the whole book yet. And I said, well, I'd be happy to put one in the FedEx to you. You'll have it tomorrow. What else? And they said, well, we don't really have a culture of putting a book in front of our most senior members and asking them to read it. And I said, okay, how many people are in that group? And they said, probably about 100. And this was like a 700-person company. And I said, okay, I think we have a lot of daylight here. I'm going to send you the book. I hear that you don't want those 100 people to feel like they're forced. Let's talk next week you know, I sent them the book just based on that one word conversation. They came back and said, all right, we'll buy 600 books. So we went from zero to 600. I didn't have to be aggressive. I didn't have to be sharky. I was my usual sparkling self. I just asked a question and honored their concerns. And that's it. And I want people to know that they would be shocked at the number of no's that they can turn into yeses with one simple question. I'm still a little bit blown away at your mindset, which is that they said, we'll just pay you the invoice. Like I'm, I'm like, I, I, I heard what else you said, of course, but I'm like, okay, so you're getting your money, Mm -hmm. right? But you were so clear on the impact that you actually wanted to make with this organization. You didn't even want to take their money for free. Like you were like, no, there is more work to be done here. Yes. And you negotiated for your value. You negotiated for your impact. You didn't negotiate to make more money. No, I didn't because money is short-term and impact is long-term. And I knew that by getting books in the right hands, that I would make this release successful. And once it was successful, that so many more doors would open up. And do you know, I've already made back more than that same amount with that same company. Right. I could see the other hundred leaders, the executives at the top being like, why didn't we get this book? What do you mean? (laughs) 100%. That's right. And and here's the thing, Stacey. 
they saw the value in it. It's not like I pushed them to a yes and then afterward they thought, oh, that wasn't a great deal. I persevered past a no and came at something that worked for both people. And that can be just as true of a promotion as it can be with my book deal. Yeah. Uh, So your book, the subtitle is 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything, and you've already spoken to it. It's laid out as a series of questions. And I really appreciate that as a reader because it makes it super accessible. I'm like, oh, I can ask questions. But another thing that I heard you mention, and I want to talk about this idea of asking questions and listening. So a challenge that we have as leaders who feel like we're not able to negotiate can often be that we have too much attached to the question. So I'll get somebody who will say, but I did ask them, what are their concerns? Is it, so this is how the question goes. What are your concerns? Is it because I don't have the experience or is it because I don't, you know, so it sounds like there's this other aspect to asking the question, which is full stop. Oh, <laughs> yes. In fact, while you were adding all those words, I was shaking my head and, and um, you know, this is when I've seen negotiators do this so often. They ask a great question and then they wreck it by putting all these other words on the end. You know, what do you need, Stacy? Would $10,000 do it? No. Maybe Stacy would have said five and you overpaid. Maybe Stacy would have said something else like mentorship or a path to advancement. And here, the point of what are your concerns is you want to hear what they have to say. Not for you to be like, well, is it this? Is it that? Don't feed them the concerns. The three words I have for your listeners, Stacy, are land the plane. Ask your question and bring the plane in for a landing. Do not keep it circling the airport with a bunch of words, talking on and on. Just ask your question and don't be afraid of the silence. That's really what gets a lot of people. You know, they're nervous about silence. I don't know if you've experienced that. I was just thinking that. I So I started this as a practice, this concept of stop. Like I literally just tell myself stop. But you took it a little bit further with the landing of the plane. The landing of the plane is not stopping. So what I see when I say stop is like, is like I'm flying in the air and then I just say stop. Well, <laughs> you know, right. now the plane is just in the air. And so, but what you're suggesting is, yes, stop talking, but there's something else that's happening in the landing of the plane through the active listening, I think it might be. Yes, it's a decisive action, right? Mm-hmm. It's not absence. Choosing to be silent is not the absence of action. It is action. When you allow somebody the chance to think about and answer a really great open question, you're going to transform what happens in that room. Mm -hmm. And so I want people to take that decisive action and have the confidence to land the plane. And Stacey, I wonder if I could tell a short story. You know, I I coach a lot of people in negotiation, and one of my friends here in New Jersey, one of my mom friends, is a stay-at-home mom, and she told me, you know, Alex, I'm not a negotiator. I'm not even in the workforce anymore, and when I told her about the silence thing, she called me excited two weeks later, and she said, I used it. So she's been working at her kid's summer camp for many summers and getting, you know, free tuition for her kids. Their little cousin was coming to visit for a week, and she really wanted the cousin to go to camp free of charge. She was hoping not to pay. 
So she called the camp director and she said, listen, you know, I've been working here many years, would love for my kid's cousin um, to come to camp. And he said, well, that sounds great. I think I could do a 50% discount. And Stacy, she just said, hmm, silence. And then he said, well, I guess I, I could do like a, like, you know, we could do it for like 25% of the price. And she said, hmm. <laughs> and he said, you know what? You've been so great. Just bring the kids to camp. And she said, thank you so much. Sounds great. She hung up the phone and she called me and said, oh my God, I'm a negotiator. And I, all I had to do was shut up. It was magic. Wow, this is so fantastic. But yeah, what I heard in her mm was it was still decisive action. Right. It wasn't just stop. It wasn't right. just silence. It was still being included, be, still being a part of the negotiation, still being a part of the conversation. Right. Yeah. I mean, she she basically did just enough and then hung on the line to let him know that she was going to give him a little bit more space to think about that offer. And it's magic because even somebody who says, you know, I'm an introvert, I'm at home with my kids, I haven't been in the workforce for a little while, could use, right, silence and just that little bit of vocalization. She brought the plane in for a landing and she stayed there until the offer came in that was what she wanted. So good. And it doesn't nope. even, yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, what if it ended up being 25%? I mean, it's okay. Like, you know, but she stuck with it. it it's just, it's so brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. So we're talking about steering relationships through these questions and really making sure that, you know, we're doing this proactively ahead of time. That's how we started this conversation. I want to talk about what is it, what happens if you feel like, your circumstance of your difficult boss, your boss, you, you really truly feel like you have tried everything. Your boss does not support you. Um, you have tried to tell, you have tried to negotiate. I know that there's always something more to do, but I wanted to see if you have any advice or any stories about your life where you really just felt like you had hit a wall and you, you decided to look at it differently. What was the mindset? What was the the chat, how did you work through that situation? Yeah, great question. You know, I think for this, it's important to articulate the difference between, you know, sort of lack of support and something more like a serious safety or equity issue. You know, if somebody is, you know, really not, you know, supporting you and you're a person of color in the workplace and you're the target of microaggressions or worse, you know, or if you are, you know, really being sexually harassed in the workplace. I mean, those are, you know, I think more legal issues, right? Where I, you know, I'm not going to say negotiation skills are here to fix that. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, you got to be very clear on what we can do and, and what's beyond the scope of that. You know, but for for those where, you know, you've got like a difficult manager who's not being supportive, before I gave up entirely, I would try a few different things. One is counterintuitive, but I have often found that people with difficult personalities um, are insecure and they're often crying out for a bit of acknowledgement, right? So in mediation, we call this stroking. 
And this is a, you know, a saying that my mentor taught me. She said, when you want to strangle, stroke. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it means that when somebody's really being difficult and that's when you most want to tell them off, that the thing to do instead is to acknowledge them for something. Now, Stacy, the key is it's got to be truthful. So mm-hmm. if you have a male manager who has not been supportive, you can't go in and be like, thank you for being such a champion of gender equity in the work. <laughs> but you could go in and say something like, I'm here because you are the culture bearer in our organization. You are the person whose voice people listen to when they decide who gets promoted and who doesn't, or who is a leader and who's not. And I'm here to seek your advice as I navigate because, you know, I have goals and I want to be of help to this company and I'm wondering what advice you have. Sometimes when you acknowledge people, some of that defensiveness melts away and they almost feel recruited to your side of the table and more willing to engage with you. So sometimes it's about acknowledgement. Um, You know, beyond that, I think sometimes with a difficult manager, you got to figure out what their goals are and what their needs are. Mm -hmm. And how is it that you're going to be able to write their victory speech? You know, if this is somebody you can't maneuver around in the workplace, you have to go through, then how is it that your career success could also be a win for them? You know, but if you've tried everything, if you have tried some acknowledgement, if you have tried sincerely engaging on questions and you're still being met by a brick wall, then I think it's time to evaluate, you know, going back to the mirror. You know, what is it that you need? How can your needs be met in this organization? And if they can't, then it's time really to think about where they could be met. Right. Yeah. So we talked about the value that you could bring through negotiation and through actually being a leader at the top. And I think to close out our conversation today, I would like to talk about this idea of equity, gender equity, racial equity in leadership. Um, And what are some of the negotiation strategies? What's the conversation that you're having about racial diversity and the times that we're in right now. I know that you're having a lot of open conversations about this. Mm-hmm. So I would just like to hear a little bit about that and how us as leaders by negotiating, by rising to the top, how we can be a part of that overall yeah. conversation. Absolutely. And so Stacy, since this is, you know, an audio conversation, I want to say for those of you who can't see me, so I'm here today as a white woman. And so I want to be very clear about what I can speak to from my seat where I am and the set of lived experiences that I don't understand and I can speak to. So here are the conversations that I've been having and I've been assisting leaders in having. You know, I think Part of racial justice in the workplace and true equity, you know, true inclusion is really about defining the right problem first. You know, the the first question in the book is, what's the problem I want to solve? This is where I tell people to start, whether they are contemplating asking for a raise 
or whether they are considering how to lead their department. And what I will say, again, as a white person, is I noticed that some of the conflict we can experience is the way we define the problem. Imagine, for example, you have a set of white colleagues who are saying, well, you know, the, the problem is that this one person wasn't promoted, and so maybe we need to fix that. And you might have colleagues of color who say, no, the problem is not the individual. The problem is the system. Or the problem is overall, how do we work on our culture so that it's a place where you know people of color want to enter, they want to stay, and they know they can thrive and flourish. You know, and sometimes what we do all too often is we'll take a narrow approach and say, okay, so let's bring in a bunch of new people. And so, you know, our entry level folks will be fully diverse. That doesn't solve the full problem of equity at the highest levels in the workplace. So I would say one of the things I'm learning is that if we want to be anti-racist, if we want to truly work for justice for all and equity for all, we cannot be totally conflict avoidant. We need negotiation skills to engage with each other on the subjects that matter most. And so the first thing is really to engage around what the problem is that we're trying to solve, to partner with our sisters and brothers of color in, you know, working on the problem to solve and then executing together toward the kind of workplace we all want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's great. It gives me a lot of focus. And I think as in a lot of inspiration as a leader to really be able to make those changes at the top and to change that culture and to really make a difference and make that impact. Mm -hmm. So Alex, um, as we finish up here, do you have any final words? And then I also want to share with people how they can get your book and, um, and also maybe sign up for this future digital course that's coming out, like other ways to connect with you. So, Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. So I think the final thing I'd like to leave people with Stacy is, you know, sometimes when I get out there and speak, people must think, well, you know, it's always easy for her. She wrote a book called Ask for More because she was born asking for more. Mm -hmm. In fact, this is something that I have learned and developed over time. And it's, it's messy occasionally. You know, you can still battle through, you know, am I worth this? You know, will I, you know, be accepted if I stand up and ask for more? And I want people to know truly that the thing that gets me up every morning is service and how I can be of service to people. And I want you to know that you can be of highest service when you claim your worth. Mm -hmm. You make space at the table for other people to do the same. And so I want to empower you and let you know that there's a message that only you can deliver in this world. And so I want you to get out and deliver it and be that leader that other people need. And I would welcome the chance to be in partnership with you in your long-term goals. You can find me on my website, which is alexcarterasks.com. You can sign up for my email list there, and that's where I will be talking to folks about 
the topics that they need most in courses and unveiling a lot of my courses later this summer around getting past the fear of the no, words to say and not to say in negotiation, and a lot more. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at Alexandra B. Carter. I have a lot of kid pictures there and also on LinkedIn. I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, and I'm going to link to your book, of course, because... It's excellent and everybody needs to read it and it's so accessible. We are all negotiators and we all have the power within us to get started today. So thank you so much for Alex for being here with us. I really appreciate it and I look forward to our continued partnership as well. Same here. Thanks again for having me. Before you go, I want to share with you a very special opportunity to work with me personally as one of my private coaching clients. My coaching program helps talented directors get promoted. My methodology takes talented professionals from underappreciated, underrecognized, and underpaid to respected rising star. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, then I invite you to hop on the phone with me for a free discovery call. On this 50-minute call, we will get crystal clear on exactly what is holding you back from success. We will carve a path out so you can see what you need to do differently. And then I will tell you if my one-on-one coaching program is a good fit for you. It's risk-free. Sign up at stacymayer.com slash apply. That's S-T-A-C-Y-M-A-Y-E-R dot com slash apply.